As you do, I want to invite you to turn to one of my favorite passages of Scripture in Mark chapter 2. We'll be starting in verse 1 as tonight we talk about the most broken part of your life. Uh, if you're like me, today has been a big day. It's been a heavy day. There's been a lot of stuff for us to walk through. But I want you to open up those scriptures there, and we're going to look at one of my most, uh, favorite passages as we see Jesus engage someone who is very broken. So a few years ago, I was leading a group of guys that was discipling, and we met outside in a lobby where there was a glass doors and windows. You could see the entire lobby lit up. And we were out there meeting one night, having a small group Bible study, got our Bibles open, circled up together. And then all of a sudden, there's someone who walks in the front door uh, of the place, and I'd never seen this guy before in my life. So I thought it was kind of odd that he was standing there, and he just sort of stares at us a little bit. There's about 12 guys of us, whatever, and so I kind of look at him, and, and I just keep doing Bible study, thinking, okay, well, maybe he's lost. You know, he, he doesn't know where he's at. He's going to come find somebody, meet somebody. Well, then all of a sudden, he starts walking over towards me. And so I, I, he was interrupting the Bible study. I was really, you know, going through it. And I look at him, I said, hey, man, can I help you? And he said, I hope so. And I said, who are you looking for? He goes, maybe you. And I thought, that's a weird way to say you've never met me before. And uh, I said, what, what seems to be going on? He said, I was just driving by this window, and I was thinking about doing something to myself that I would never be able to take back. And I prayed and I asked God if he was going to keep me around, that he needed to send someone my way. And then I drove by and saw you guys in the window. And I pray that you're the answer to my prayer. And so at that moment, let me just tell you what I didn't do. Well, Mr. Adams, sir, why don't you sit down here? We're doing a Bible study on tithing, and we'll continue doing that while you sit here, right? No, you, you stop everything that you're doing, and you say, Adam, Adam, what brought you here? Adam's life was completely, completely broken. It was completely messed up, and he was talking about what these family members had done to him. He was talking about what had happened in his job. He was talking about certain habits that had happened, and all I heard were all these things that had happened to him and how he was desperate to see that God needed to do something in his life to fix all of this stuff. And here's the reality. If I look at what happened in Alex's life, you know what I found? His parents probably had not taken, uh, shown him the way that they needed to. He had relationships in his life that had hurt him repeatedly. There had been things that had worked against him, but the closer that we got to know Alex, we found out something about him. The most broken part about Alex was not something on the outside, it was something on the inside. And while there were a lot of things that happened to him, there's also a lot of things that Alex had honestly brought to the table that he was reaping the consequences of. And, and this is why this is such a difficult kind of night for me talk with you. I wish for this moment that I, I had enough time where I could walk through every single seat and know what you walked in with here tonight. Because I imagine there's probably a host of situations that if I could hear your story right now, what you left back home and you're trying to forget about, just for a few days that you don't have to worry about, if I could just hear what those things are, I would be like you right now. I would wish that I could just snap my fingers and it would go away. The stuff that's coming against you, the stuff that's waiting for you, the times when you think it rains but it really just continues to pour, those times when you feel like I don't know how to pull it together. Some of you are dealing with some habits that you wish you could get rid of. Some of you do not know if your parents are going to make it in their marriage right now. Some of you have lost a loved one in the last year that is so overwhelming. Some of you have been rejected. Some of you have been hurt. 
Some of you have been abandoned. Some of you have felt very, very isolated. And tonight, what I wish I could do, I wish I could take all the hurt in this room and just send it somewhere else. I wish I could take it away from you. Unfortunately, I can't. And, and yet, even within that, here's what I know about my own life. Someone who grew up in a single parent house as myself, someone who went through a lot of hurt and rejection and pain in my own life, as someone who walked through some very, very dark seasons, what I always wanted to do is I wanted all the bad stuff that happened in my life to give me a free pass to do whatever I wanted to do. Deep down, I kind of excused myself a little bit. I would say, I know that this is difficult, but let me just tell you, I'm not responsible here because he hurt me. She wasn't there for me. This happened against me. And what I realize is that maybe some of you tonight, you're praying that God would come along and he would fix something in your life right now. And my prayer would be, I hope that he would too. But more than you need God to work in your situation, you need him to work for your salvation. For all of us right now, you may have some certain things in your own life that you wish would happen in your situation. You wish that God could come in and fix this. And you know what? Can he do it? Absolutely, he can. Might he do it? He might. He might come in and do the unbelievable, the thing that you wish you could snap your fingers and go away, it might happen. But more desperate than your situation is right now, I believe that your salvation has got to be at the forefront. That all of us need saving from our sins. All of us need forgiveness. All of us need a healing that's even deeper than what we think. So for you right now, here's what I want you to know. I want to know this about myself and you. If I were to ask you what the most broken part of your life is, it's not your relationships. It's, it's not the drama that you feel like is around your life. It's not maybe some of the issues or the circumstances that you wish you could get away with. The most broken part of you is your sin. The most broken part of me is my sin. And deep down, here's what I know. While God is compassionate and loving and gracious and sensitive to your situation, here's what I know is not gonna happen. When I die, I'm not gonna stand before God and say, you gotta give me a little bit of leeway, God, because you know what he did to me. You know what she did to me. God cut me some slack. In those moments, there's nobody else there. It's not a group admission. It's not a, a plea time for me to point my fingers at anyone else. It's for me to stand before God. And so as we look at this passage of scripture in Mark chapter two, what we're gonna realize is that Jesus comes alongside and as his ministry is beginning to boom and more people are coming to him, somehow some people start getting very, very desperate because they can hear this, Jesus can fix things. Since Jesus can fix things, everybody is coming to him with their issues and saying, fix me. Yet Jesus knows what the most broken part of them is and that is their sin. So let's look at Mark chapter two. We'll start reading in verse one. It says, and when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw, listen to this, their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, 
Your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning their hearts. Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins? He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Now, I love this story. I absolutely love this story because can you just imagine what it must have been like that day? Now, I don't know about your church, but it's, it's very interesting for me to even set the stage here, right? So Jesus is preaching and people can't even find a seat. Now, I don't know why this is, but especially because I'm a pastor of a, a Baptist church, we have a term called the back row Baptist. Have you ever heard that phrase before? It's like people go to the a Baptist church and they want to go as far away as they possibly can from where everything's going on, right? I don't know why. I guess it's safer back there. Maybe the pastor doesn't spit on you as much. I don't know, right? But people want to get as far away as they can. When Jesus is preaching, people are literally getting up in there. They can't find room. And so just imagine this. There's these group of five friends one of them is paralyzed. He's never been able to walk, ever. He's been that way for a long time. So let me just ask you this, back in those days before there were anything like a wheelchair or anything like this, this guy who's paralyzed, they, they would say he's sort of like on a mat like this. And when you're paralyzed on a mat like this, and if you have four good friends that you get together, guess who's always setting the appointment and making the initiative? It's not this guy, is it? He is completely dependent upon these folks deciding we're gonna come around you. Because he's laid there all the time, all of his life, never getting up. And if he's going to go anywhere, it's because these guys pick him up on kind of a carpet like this and they take him. So can you just imagine that day? So uh, Brother Man is just sitting down here. He's laying his mat. Here comes his four friends. And they're like, hey, man, what, what's been going on? You know, and, and the guy's just like, well, been hanging out here until y'all got back, right? And then what's been going on with you guys? Oh, we've been going around town. He's like, what's all the hustle and bustle, man? Like I see people moving and it seems like tons of people are going over in that direction. What's going on? And he said, have you heard about this guy named Jesus? Yeah, I've heard rumors about him and stuff. I hear that he can do like miraculous things. Like people that are sick of things are getting healed. Yeah, we have too. And we've got an idea, right? Now, I don't know about your group of friends, but you know that one friend who always has that crazy look in his eye, right? It's like, hey, we can do this, right, right? And you're always, and you're, you just know, you just know that group of friends that you're sitting there going, there's one of you going, oh, it's not gonna work, oh, we're not prepared, and there's one guy going, we can do it, we can do it. I got some duct tape, we can do this, right, okay? Like whoever it is, they're just that person, they can get it done. So here's this, this, this picture, right? These four guys going, so um, here's what we're thinking. We think that maybe if we just pick you up on, on this mat, we can take you over there. And he goes, guys, look, I've gone to every medical doctor you can imagine. Never worked, never worked. And I, I just, I, I don't know if it's gonna work. And at some point the guys go, well, tough. And they just pick him up, right? What's the guy gonna do, right? They pick him up and they start walking with him all the way. They finally make it across the town. And this is a, a long trek and they get to a certain place and they're probably tired. And guess what? They can't get even in the door. So our fellow's sitting here on the mat going, well, guys, I appreciate that, but now can you just take me back to where we started? Uh, this got my hopes up for nothing. And then all of a sudden he looks at the other guy with that crazy eye again going, I see a ladder, right? 
And you can imagine going, no, <laughs> not a chance. No, we're not doing this. No, this can happen, bro. And all of a sudden, can you imagine what it's like for a man to be on a, a pallet like this and four friends picking him up, up a ladder? Can you imagine how crazy this is? Guaranteed the guy almost fell a couple of times, right? And all of a sudden they get up there and he's going, and now what are we going to do? We're on the roof. What do you think? I got a pocket knife, right? And he starts cutting. Now, now imagine what it's like on the bottom stairs, right? Underneath them. People are sitting there listening to Jesus every word. Oh, man, that's awesome. Have you listened to this? Man, why did our preacher talk like that? Oh, this is amazing. They're just sitting there, listening, listening, and all of a sudden, it's just like, you know, kind of dust starts coming down like, oh, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. They got special effects in this house. It starts coming, it starts coming, it starts coming, and all of a sudden, they see, like, the roof, just a section of it just come off. And the light goes, they installed a skylight, right? Like, this is Beautiful, and then all of a sudden, this is, now I'm using a little sanctified imagination. That crazy friend, you know what I'm talking about, sticks his head in and is like, what's up? You know, just, like, literally looks through it, and all of a sudden, they start lowering this guy down on a mat. And I just, I picture it like, oh, please, please, stop. easy, right? And, and, and something's got to happen there that... You just imagine all the work that these guys went to for this guy. And, and while this is a, a side note of this passage, I think it's very important for us to really hit that we all need the kind of friendships that will get us to Jesus by any means necessary. Every single one of us. And let me just tell you, folks, every single person in your life is getting you closer to Jesus or taking you further away. There is no middle ground here. And I want the type of friends around me that go, oh, if he's on the other side of town, we'll pick you up and take you. Oh, there's a roof there? I got a pocket knife. We'll do whatever it takes to get you to Jesus. And can I also tell you this? You need to be that type of friend for somebody. There's somebody in this room right now, they don't even feel like they could take that extra step to get closer to Jesus. And some of you tonight need to say, I'll walk with you. You're not doing this by yourself. I'm here with you. And they keep walking. And so... Paralytic's friends, they could not stop until they got him to Jesus. And I want to be that type of friend. And we need the closest people to us to possess the right type of faith and the right amount of willingness. Because what's amazing about this is, did you catch what Jesus said? When he saw not the guy on the mat's faith, he says when he saw their faith. Which means this, he's looking up going, huh, you guys think I could do something about this, Right? And, and just sit there, eager looks. I'm going this. Guys, can I just tell you, there are people literally sitting in this room right now, they've got this much faith, and you've got to come alongside and say this. I don't believe your mess is so severe that God can't restore it. I refuse to believe it. Even when you have this much faith, I'm going to come in and I'm going to supplement it for you. We're going to make this. I've seen God do too much to give up now. We need those type of people in our lives. You need to be that type of people. And so just imagine... <laughs> Our guy going down on a mat, and all he can see is his four crazy friends. Literally, he's going now, falling like this. And he can see them, and all of a sudden, he gets to the place where now he's not eyes level. He can see them, but he can start seeing the people that have been listening to the sermon that he just interrupted, by the way. Uh-oh. This ain't on the flow sheet, folks. <laughs> this wasn't scheduled. This wasn't planned. Imagine as he starts looking around the room, as he's starting to come down the mat and whatnot, he sees this, he looks and goes, oh, they're upset at me. 
I got dust in her hair. Uh, that guy looks so mad, I think this is his house we just cut out the roof from. And yet there's one set of eyes in that room when he looks at them. There's no condemnation. There's no anger. He's not frustrated that his sermon has been interrupted. I just have to imagine, if you read this book and you find out who God is and the image that he was as the person of Jesus when Jesus came down, you just have to imagine that Jesus is going, this is awesome. And he's smiling and he's happy to see him. The only set of eyes that's accepting in that moment is the one he just interrupted. So he just keeps locking on him, right? And now he's brought down to the very bottom and this is what's crazy about this. I don't know if you caught this when, when what Jesus said, because if I am been a paralyzed man all my life, and I've heard all types of miracle workers come through this town, and now I've heard of one that no sickness has slowed him down, you know what I'm wanting to hear from this holy man? If I have finally got all the way from across town through a roof, down right there, right beside him. I have one phrase that I want that man to tell me. Pick up my mat and go home. Or legs, walk. Or be healed. So you can imagine, okay, this is it, this is it. What are you gonna say? All of my life I've been broken, my legs don't work, my body doesn't work. Here I am, holy man, here I am, miracle worker. Say the words. Pick up your pallet and go home. And Jesus go, son, your sins are forgiven. What? Who cares? I came here because my legs are messed up. I want healing. And you're talking about sins? Not even on my radar, Jesus. The most important thing in my life right now I need my legs fixed. I have been waiting for the day for someone with your power, with your strength to be able to say those words to me and now you're gonna deny them? Here's what we know. Our greatest need is not the one that is always the most glaringly obvious. You and I may say right here and right now, I've got a glaringly obvious need. I am broken. I am not the way that I'm supposed to be. God had a design and these people have done this to me. All of a sudden God has allowed this to happen and maybe even the consequences of my own actions have caused certain things, but this isn't it. And all of us have these things that you would say, here's the glaringly obvious needs, God, do this, fix that. Will you remove this obstacle? Will you put this here in place? All of us have those things. And yet Jesus goes, I'm so, so sorry that your legs don't work. That is not the worst thing about you. He sees straight through this paralytic and knows this, that we need forgiveness for our sins more than relief from our circumstances. You and I, we need forgiveness for our sins more than relief from our circumstances. Jesus is able to go way beyond what we ask right to what we need. He comes to you. He comes to me, and some of you have been saying, Jesus, will you fix me? And some of you are even at the church camp, and you're saying, okay, God, I'm here. Will you fix these circumstances? You know what I want to tell you? He might. He can. But even more importantly, you have a sin problem. I have a sin problem. And unless we get that fixed with God, it doesn't matter how well our circumstances are working. So 
I, I love the thought about this, that even though this guy seemingly interrupted his sermon, does Jesus ever seem surprised or upset by this? No. Jesus is like, oh, this is point number uh, B2, right? He just, this was prepared. He knew about this. And what's crazy is, though, look, look again at what he says. I want you to go to verse number five. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of us may go, okay, well, sure, Jesus can say that, but I want you to look at the response of the Pharisees in the room. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is, what's that word? Blaspheming. Blaspheming means this, he's claiming to be God. So for everyone who ever says, oh, I don't know if Jesus ever thought he was God, apparently the people who were in the room understood what he was doing. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but what? God alone. So they're over there sitting in the corner going, did you hear what he said? We thought we were going to see somebody get up off the, pa the pallet here, and now all of a sudden he's talking about, son, your sins are forgiven. Son, like he's his daddy or something, like he's some kind of father. Like who is this guy? He's a 30-year-old guy. Like how in the world can he say this? Son, your sins are forgiven. Nobody can forgive sins but God's alone. And they're just talking about it right there. They're sort of, you know, going back and forth, and all of a sudden Jesus is going, oh, by the way, if you're wondering if I have the authority to say what I just said, if anybody here is questioning that, I don't know, maybe, if you're wondering if I have the authority to forgive sins, then let me show you how much authority I have. Son, pick up your pallet and go home. Guy gets up. Guy gets up. And, and what do we see? Look. Verse 12. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this before. Here's what we realize. The reaction of the crowd and the response of Jesus clarified the speculation. Jesus claimed to be God. This is just one of the many evidences that we see in the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John where Jesus unashamedly claims to be God in the flesh right there before them. And so when these guys are saying, he just said he could forgive sins. Only one person can forgive sins. Nobody else can do that, only God. And Jesus goes, hey, by the way, I can hear what you're saying. Just to make sure you know I have authority to do that, watch this, get up. And the guy gets up and walks. And all of a sudden, something starts to transpire at that place. Not only is this man now healed from his physical ailments, his circumstances, his situation, but now he's been forgiven of his sins. And now all the religious leaders are now on a course to see that man go to the cross. And it's interesting because, look at what he says, verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, I don't have a long time to go into this, but let me just tell you really quick. When you hear the word Son of Man, you think, oh, yeah, because Jesus was, you know, fully God, but he's also fully man, and so he's the Son of Man. That's not what that phrase means. In fact, if you're taking notes, I would love for you just to write down Daniel chapter 7. Because in there, there's a prophecy about someone who's called the Son of Man, who's coming to literally judge all the nations, and they will all bow down and worship him. And he is one day going to come back on the clouds and restore everything right. That is the point, that Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. So when these Pharisees hear him say, just so you know that the Son of Man, they don't hear him saying, ah, you're just, you know, some by somebody's son. He's going, are you claiming to be the Messiah? Are you claiming to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And he says, just in case you're wondering, <laughs> yeah, the Son of Man has just said this. And so he validated his authority to forgive 
by showing his power to heal this man at this point. And, and here's what's beautiful is this guy gets up. Can you just imagine what it was like for those five friends walking home that day all together for the first time? I don't know if the guy kept his mat. I don't know what he did with it. But I know this, he was forever changed because of it. And I can imagine he loved, 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 loved his legs. I imagine he loved walking and skipping and running. I imagine he had no problem really trying to say, hey, leg race, let's see how fast these things can go, right? I imagine he had a wonderful time with those legs. But can I tell you something? A lot of times, you and I can be focused on something that is a circumstance that might last a few weeks to a few decades of our life, but yet our soul is eternal. Here's the thing that I know. There are things that I wish that God would remove out of my life, and you know what, if he removed it, it might be a couple years or a couple decades worth of relief, but you know what, you and I are gonna live somewhere forever, and the only way that we're gonna live forever in God's presence is if our sins are forgiven, and the only person who can do that is through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And so today you might come to me and you say, hey, pastor, here's the deal. I wish God could do this and this and this and this. And I'm going to say he can, he can, and he might. But even more importantly, your sins need to be forgiven. Every single one of us have sin. All of us are broken because of people have sinned against us and also because we have sinned. And ultimately, at some point, we have to step back and say, are we willing to take responsibility for our own actions that we need forgiveness for our sins? My daughter Gloria was probably about two years old. She got really sometimes upset at her older brothers doing stuff to her. Now, I don't know if any of you younger siblings ever had anybody pester you in your family, but that was one of the first words she ever learned was pester, okay? Dada, my bubbas are pestering me, okay? Like that was just one of the first things she ever said. And what was interesting though is that she began to learn that if she was gonna make it in the house, she had to start learning how to pester back, right? Some of you know this. You're like, okay, well, if we're gonna go, we're gonna go. And so sometimes I'd have a you know, son come running in and going, Gloria just bit me on the leg. I'm like, what were you doing before that, right? You know, or Gloria just hit me with this, or Gloria's chasing me around the room and you said I can't hit her, but she's coming at me with some baseball bat or something, right? Complaining all the time about this, she's finally coming up. And what happened when Gloria's about two or three years old and, and she is still to this day as, as cute as can be and you look at her and go, how could you ever discipline her? You really have to stretch down deep and can do this. But I remember I'd go to Gloria at two years old and like literally, you know, there's like a bite mark on the back of a leg of one of my sons, right? And there's like flesh coming out of her teeth, right? She's like, hi, dad, dad, right? Like it never happened. And I would say, hey, baby girl, um, you can't bite people. Like it's just, you don't, you don't bite your brothers, especially in the leg. You know, just don't, don't, maybe an arm, but not a leg, right? Don't, don't do this. And every time I would come down on my daughter, you know what she'd do? I would say, uh, Gloria, did you hit your brother? Did you bite your brother? She goes, oh, daddy, I got a boo-boo, ow. <laughs> From what? <laughs> You haven't told me about it all, right? And I'm like, Gloria, did you take that toy from, you know, Eli? When you start, did you hit Obadiah? Yes, I, you know, and I'm asking these questions. Goes, oh, daddy, a boo-boo right here. Ow, ow, ow. And I'm going, and I'm going, this is amazing. She, at like two or three years old, is learning to try to get my mind off what she's done to somehow excuse her behavior because she's hurting. And can I say this? Some of us have not grown out of that yet. Some of us have not grown out where God Almighty would say, I'm looking at you, the one who continues to sin and rebel against me. And you go, yeah, but my boo-boo, he hurt me. She did this. I would be in a better place if my parents were still together. I'd be in a better place if my friends were better. I would be in a better place if all these things. And at some point, folks, 
boo-boos aren't still gonna be there anymore. I know you're hurt. I know you've been devastated. But at some point, when are we gonna go before the Lord Almighty and all that stuff's gonna be done away with that he's gonna look at you and say, are your sins forgiven? Your sins for what you've done. And so when he comes along, it reminds us of what Jesus is to this guy as he runs off. But here's what I know. While other sins may complicate your current circumstances, your own sin has broken your eternal standing. For all of us right here in this room where you say, you know what, other people have sinned against me and they have complicated my current circumstances and I wanna say I wish I could take them away even though I cannot, your own sin has broken your eternal standing. It's broken it. It's forever going to be different because of it. But here's what I want everybody in this room to know. Before you hear me say, okay, God doesn't care about the things that have hurt you, I'm here to say this, he does care. In fact, he's protected you probably from more than you can even imagine right now. And yet, you even go, well, how is he even doing that? You're at church camp with some guy telling you that God loves you so much not only to fix some of the situations in your life, but also to forgive you of your sins. And I don't know how else I can tell you how much he loves you. But here's what I need everybody here to know. I know there's a list a mile long of things that you want him to do. But you need Jesus to forgive you more than you need him to fix you. You need Jesus to forgive you more than you need him to fix you right now. And let me just tell you, some of you, he, he might do both. He might forgive you and fix some things in you. But I can just promise you this, the most important thing you need right now is forgiveness. That you look at your own life and you say, God, how have I sinned against you and am I forgiven now before your eyes? So years ago, uh, I was a college student, a working huge staff, just like a lot of your wonderful staff that you have here. Uh, my job was I was a missions mobilizer at a centrifuge camp back in those days, and so I would go out and take a cruise out on mission sites. And I can remember um, that one of the weeks that I had camp, I got a card that one of the, uh, the people that were going to be on my team was a guy in a wheelchair. And I thought, okay, we're going to make sure we got the van ride to do this and make sure whatever. And 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 I, so I met Josh and. And Josh was a very um, sarcastic young man. While his legs had not worked, his mouth was always working. And uh, he made up for it. And so a lot of times we'd be on a job site and he couldn't do some of the physical labor, but he would wheel up behind somebody and say, what's the matter, girls? Put your back into it. You're working too slow, right? He was just the one always sort of coaching everybody and, and being that person. And so sometimes I'd even have to get Josh in and out of the van. And for whatever reason, I'm just worried about, like, am I going to hurt him or whatever? And, he, and one time I'm literally trying to get him up out of the chair and get him in there. And he turns and looks at me. His face is, like, right here to me. He goes, what's the matter, Travis? My grandmother can pick me up quicker than this. I said, okay, here you go. And threw him in the van. And so I just realized by Josh, like, he was just a funny, like, crazy guy. And so um, one of the jobs, uh, I was supposed to find somebody that week that was going to share a testimony uh, in, in front of the whole camp at Fuge. And, uh, and so anyway, I asked Josh if he would do it. And so we get Josh up on the stage and whatnot. And the rule that we had at our, our camp was this, is that the person who was on staff would hold the microphone because you never know if someone's gonna go super long or maybe start saying something crazy and I need to go like, take the microphone away. So you're supposed to hold it. So I'd ask him a question, Josh, what do you think about this? And I'd hold it out and he would just talk into the microphone. And so I asked him something and I pull it out and Josh just looks at me and goes, boom, and just grabs the microphone from me. I'm like, you can't do that. What am I gonna do, wrestle with a guy right here in front of everybody, right? And so he just starts telling me about this story, about his testimony. He tells me about his story about how 
his family were missionaries in Afghanistan, and yet they tried to make it work, but he started telling you know how hard it is to be a missionary family when a kid is in a wheelchair in Afghanistan? It's not like they have a whole lot of <laughs> ramps, any type of things to sort of help me get in and out. It's a horrible situation for me to live in. And I can remember that he told that group that night, he said, you know how hard it is? be able to live in Afghanistan, the United States, in this wheelchair, and then he looks at this group of everybody else in the room, like yourself, that was able to walk just fine, and he goes, you look at me and you pity me. I see you the way that you look at me. And he said, and I pity myself for a long time, so much so that I tried to take my life because I was so tired of this chair. He said, but then one day, he said, I had an opportunity in Afghanistan where there was a bunch of kids that were sitting around staring at my chair and I realized that I had them as a captive audience and they were listening to me now because I had this chair and maybe they wouldn't if I was not in this chair. And so I just decided to share the gospel with all these kids who had grown up in a Muslim context who had never heard the gospel before. And because of that chair, he was able to do it. And he said, you look at me and you pity me. Don't pity me because of this chair. Don't pity me because of this chair. I wanted this chair to go away, but God is using these circumstances even in the brokenness of my life for his glory. And I'm here to tell you right now, he said, if I can share the gospel with people in this chair, this is when it got awkward. He turned his finger and goes, what's your excuse? I thought, uh oh, okay, this is getting serious now, right? Am I supposed to stop this? Like, what, what's happening? And he said, there is no excuse. I don't know what's wrong in your life, but I know this. I am forgiven by God. I am going to go to heaven with him. And when I get there, none of y'all will be able to catch me. I'll be running so fast. I'll be doing cartwheels around you. That chair does not get in heaven, and I will finally be free. So if I have to be in this chair for a few decades so I can spend an eternity with him, it is worth it. That day, we got ready to worship we're about to ask everybody to stand up. We did something a little different. We said, can everybody just stay seated in honor of Josh and worship from your seat? And that day, it was just so amazing to hear people worship, cry out to God and saying this. God, I've got circumstances in my life that I wish you'd take away. Whether it's out of this chair or these relationships fixed or whatever it is, I just wish, God, you would do something. But even if none of that's fixed, I'm forgiven. I'm clean. I'm holy in God's eyes. And so friends, can I just tell you this? I wish I could remove all the hurt in your life right now. I can't do that. But I can offer you the most greatest news in the entire world. Your sins can be forgiven. You can find redemption tonight. And it's this simple. That you look at God Almighty as holy and just and perfect and you realize that you're not and you realize that your sins need to be forgiven. You realize that you have rebelled against God. And then when you look up at the person of Jesus on the cross, you realize this. He was willing to take your place. He took the punishment for your sins so that you could find forgiveness. And so here today, can I just tell you? You need his forgiveness more than you need healing right now. And today, you can find it. Let's pray together.
God Almighty, as we have thought about this man, this paralytic who was deep, entrenched in circumstances and an overwhelming situation where he was broken and that no one could repair his physical condition. He was able to find that you were able to forgive him of all of those things, but even more importantly than that, you went down to the deepest need of his life and that was his need to be forgiven. And right now, there are some friends in this room that have a lot of brokenness in their life. Some of it's on them. They, they've made some decisions and they're reaping some consequences. A lot of it, it's not their fault. It's just we live in a broken world and sin hurts other people. Some of us are devastated not by the things that we've chosen to do, but by those who are closest to us, what they've chosen to do. So God, we're broken. We could easily come right now before you and lay our mat right down here and say, God, I, I need you to fix this. Get me off this mat. But maybe he's going to look right down into our hearts and you're going to see something that we need even more than that, and that's forgiveness. And so tonight I'm going to ask you this as you just sit here in a moment of prayer and reflection and just think through what we've said tonight. How sure are you that your sins are forgiven? Like how confident are you right now that God has forgiven you of your sins? All of them. Not just some of them. Not just the ones in the past. Not just the ones that other people know about. How confident are you that all of your sins are forgiven? If there's a doubt in your heart tonight, that can be dealt with right here. God's love for you is not contingent upon your performance for Him. When Jesus died on the cross, every single one of your sins was in the future. You haven't caught Him off guard by messing up the 20th time today in the same area. He knew about it. And He went to the cross aware of it. He said, if God is going to pay someone for that sin, I'll step in. I'll take that. And so right now, there are people in this room that need forgiveness. We need restoration before you. So, folks, as you pray, as you're sitting here and just reflecting and saying, God, really speak to me now. There are some of you who have never been forgiven. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never believed in faith. You've never really trusted that he was your substitute on the cross. Tonight, your sins can be forgiven. It's not about what you do, it's about what he's already done on the cross. So some of you need for the first time tonight to receive the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and say, I'm gonna follow him now and I'm gonna find the forgiveness that can be found in the work of, of the cross. Some of you though, you know that your sins are forgiven, you know that you belong to Jesus, but yet you keep getting messed up in the same stuff over and over and over again. You're not looking like who he's called you to be. You're breaking that image over and over and over again. And you, you don't need forgiveness in the sense of being clear before God, but you just, it's hindering your relationship with him. And you need to be reconciled tonight. So whichever one that is for you tonight, I wanna give you the opportunity in a moment just to respond and say, God, I, I I desperately 
deep down on the soul level needs you. Needs you to come in and forgive. So as you pray tonight, do you know where you are? Are you one of the ones in this room that needs to find forgiveness in Jesus for the first time? To say, I'm gonna become a Christian tonight. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm going to accept what he did on the cross on my behalf. Or some of you need to stop playing with some of this stuff that's hindering your relationship with him. So God, in our brokenness, we come to you right now asking you to do a work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'm gonna ask us, can we all just stand to our feet really quick? One, two, three, go quietly though. Let's just keep focusing in. We're gonna worship here in a second. Here's what we're gonna do. If you've never been uh, to camp or how we do things or whatnot, it can be different place to place, but we wanna have an opportunity for you to respond. There's a couple ways you can do that in just a moment. Maybe you just need a visible representation. You might wanna come down right here and make this floor a sacred altar and say, God, I need you and I am so sorry for my sins and I just wanna confess this. Maybe you wanna find a group leader. Group leaders will kinda of be out to the side a little bit where maybe that they, you can go over there and talk or pray with them, whether it's a group leader that you came with or a Bible study leader. Maybe it's some of those friends that have been picking up your corner of the mat. You just wanna sort of grab and say, will you pray with me right now? Some of you need to right now, just don't delay. Today can be the day of salvation and you say, Jesus, I need my sins forgiven. I trust that you can do it. Some of you, you need to stop playing around with this dead stuff and you just know that you belong to him, but you're not acting like it. Let's not wait another moment to do business with the Lord right now as we respond. You're marked, set, respond. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness is born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Are you hurting and broken within? is calling have you come to the end of yourself do you thirst for a drink from the well Jesus is calling oh, oh come to the altar the Father's arms are precious blood of Jesus Christ oh come to the altar 
Jesus Christ, oh come to 